welcome to Simple Theology, a podcast connecting theology to everyday life. I'm Robert Kane. Rob, how'd you get sunburned? <laughs> Mowing my grass. Thanks. What's your okay, name? Okay. <laughs> What's your name? I'm Rick, and uh, welcome to Simple Theology, where we connect whatever we want, <laughs> pretty much, to theology. There you go. There you go. Rob, what are we getting into today? Today, we are doing a little bit of a listener mailbag, and we're going over a few questions that have been in the bank. And, and we talk about that phrase, taking it to the bank. That's right. We um, are going over a question that Mark sent in about music and why men aren't singing. We go over something that Melissa sent in about um, an affirming church. Then we talk about Lexi's question about the line of Judah. shirt rob thank you you every time i see you like the last like three times whether on a zoom call like this or in person you have these uh sbc church planter shirts you're well just, like they you're like a walking billboard for the southern Baptist Convention. <laughs> thank you for that thank you um they're thanking you yeah i'm sure they are well when we went to the <laughs> to the convention in anaheim in june they hooked us up with i think it was four shirts and three of the four were the same shirt so they gave us three copies of the same shirt okay. and just said here you go who's in like, charge of this okay great and then there was one on our chair uh, that we could snag as well um and the great thing with all my frustrations with the sbc the great thing about these shirts is that they are like high quality well-fitting shirts they're kind of tight yeah, around the yeah, shoulders and chest and kind of looser around the stomach which is great and so like i actually Rob's really like these shirts. body workout guy and so he <laughs> <laughs> no i uh I'm, I'm not much of a workout guy in general and so the fact that these things kind of hide that is great and i've really enjoyed these shirts so i've been Good. i've just been cycling through my three or four Too that sure. i have hey well it's working i've noticed so, well, probably you know, anyone else has too, because I just keep wearing they, the same shirt. I've literally got yeah, probably, one for almost good. every day. So, but they're all the same, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. What I would really anyway, like is, is if these had no writing on them; they were just gray. Yeah. Then I would, I would almost, almost, gladly wear them every day. So there's no writing okay. on it, and yeah, it was gray, yeah. but it's kind of like this mint right. green, which would you, I actually you like. A, I actually yeah, like the color. Good. Yeah, it looks good on you. With oh, your that's hair sweet of you. Thanks, man. You know what? Thank you. The glasses. <laughs> Appreciate that go. a lot. But it's the, real tight up top. The yeah, shirts nice. I like, but I would like them more if they didn't say anything on them and if they were a more muted color. Yeah, just blend in. That's right. That's do you right. do you um? Okay, not subscribe, but do you like uh, appreciate like the minimal minimalist wardrobe thing? Like, yeah, I do. I wear. Like black shirts, that's all I wear. Yeah, I, I appreciate it a lot, actually. I aspire to it, but yeah. when so for instance, when it comes to um, Sunday, I want to have like some nice button ups. Yeah, that's just kind of my people can wear whatever they want on Sunday. I like wearing like untucked <laughs> button ups and but button down all the way on the on the art, like the sleeves. 
right? Do what? You don't roll those sleeves up. You can't roll sleeves up on Sunday. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. That That's oh, a wild okay. card. You know, it just depends how crazy uh, okay. I'm feeling. And Ooh. the, but I like having a, a variety of those. But then throughout yes. the week, I just would like plain shirts. Yeah. No, same. So Sunday morning is usually one of the getting dressed Sunday morning is one of the most frustrating moments of my week. Right. Because I, I am um, always like trying to get rid of stuff, usually clothes and stuff. And then come Sunday morning, and Candace hears it every almost every week. Hey, I have nothing to wear. I wear the same clothes, like the same three or four shirts or whatever. Um, but then it's kind of self-induced because I don't go buy more clothes, right? Because I also hate shopping for clothes. But I like to have nice clothes. That's the conundrum for me. That, I like to have nice conundrum. clothes. Hate shopping for them. It is what a problem. What a problem. But we're we're not here to to bring in problems. Rob, we're here to solve problems. That's right. That's right. That's what we do here at Simple Theology. We're, we're just we're nothing solving not problems. Problem-solving machines. That's it. Yeah, naturally. So, Which, with all that problem-solving... What? Sorry. Well, shout-out to who? Out. You go ahead. Let's... Well, to my boy, Riley. We, we nicknamed him the Solution Machine. Did you? And I, I, he loves I'm it. I'm yet to hear this, <laughs> this nickname. Yeah. No, we call him the solution machine. When he's always like, come about, just so I know how how far behind the train I am. <laughs> well, it, you, we've talked about this before. Like he he's like a math guy. He's like yeah. Um, the scene in, in a beautiful mind where numbers are just like floating through and all this stuff. Is that happening. a beautiful mind? I thought that was the Hangover with Alan. Oh, well, if it is, it's a riff on the okay. beautiful mind. Okay. <laughs> it probably is a riff on oh, the Russell beautiful Crow mind. Movie. Anyway, yeah. uh, solution machine. Riley Swanson, we got some solutions. No, we don't have solutions. We have some thoughts. Okay, cool. Yeah, so today is just a a mailbag episode. So Mm. we've had had a few questions on tap here ready to go, and we've been wanting to get to them. So the first one, Rick, is from a listener named Mark, and he says this. He says, hey, Rob and Rick, I've been thinking about this video for a while. I would like your opinions about this. And he gives us the link. Then he says, P.S. Love the podcast. Keep it up. So first off, thanks, Mark. Appreciate you writing in. Thanks for the encouragement. We did watch the video. And for the sake of um, our listeners, we're not going to replay it here. But essentially what it was was it was Wretched Radio, Todd Friel. And he asked the question, why men aren't singing in our worship gatherings? And he gave a few options or a few reasons that he believes and we can put the the link to it in the show notes. But Rob, give give us give us a, a go twenty seconds and give us your hot take on Todd Friel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so <laughs> Todd Friel, Todd Friel, Todd Friel. Um, I am not Todd's biggest fan, but I'm also <laughs> not contrary to Todd, if that makes sense. So I I actually end up coming to a lot of similar conclusions that Todd does. I just don't. Yeah. I'm just not a big fan of his show. It feels like he's always looking for something to get worked up about. And <laughs> anytime someone's whole shtick is basically uh, picking fights with other people, I'm not a big fan of. Yeah. And yeah. so, for better or worse, I ag- end up agreeing with a lot of his takes, but right. I don't um, like the way that he ends up communicating, if that makes sense. Yeah. I just no, don't think I, it's very I, persuasive. So, like, yeah. w- one of my jobs in your job when we preach is to take what's true and not only present it to people but present it in a persuasive way 
Right. And I think that's important. I think it mm -hmm. takes more work to do it that way, but I yeah. think that's an important part of the job. When people yeah. are just shouting things for the sake of shouting them, it, I'm less attracted to it. Yeah. And I, I honestly don't think it convinces a lot of people. However, with that said, Todd and I, if we were in a room, we would probably end up nodding along and agreeing on a ton of stuff. Mm -hmm. So all that to say, yeah, it's more than 20 like seconds. I, I end up agreeing with Todd on a lot of things. I'm just not a huge fan of his show. Would you show him your tattoos? You, yeah, you think for sure. he, would, he would shame your tattoos? He, he might. And if he does, that's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Todd's nothing to me. <laughs> well, I mean, brother in Christ, as far as I know. So uh, I'd have a respectful conversation with them. What's your hot yeah, take on Todd Frail? Yeah, I'd say similar. Like, probably very similar convictions on most things. Um, so, one, his communication style is more of like, like, I'm going to kind of shame people. A little bit like I'm going to use satire to, you know, it's not like a stand-up who like has a joke and he like makes a joke about a thing. It's funny because it's like kind of true. That's what makes jokes funny. Um, but it's more like I'm going to shame and kind of do it in a funny way. So it's lighthearted, but it's not. So I don't really appreciate that. But then I don't, I haven't watched it in a long time. Right. But like he used to do these weird like camera angles, like walking to like, studio shots yeah, yeah and it always reminded me of like a, a like early 2000s like mid-morning talk show yeah you know it's just like that i think that production style was like 10 15 years ago todd but anyway right well you, I you, like, you remember, I, remember those... I like go ahead i was say i like what you're saying what he comes to i just don't like the way he says it yeah, you, you remember those attorney commercials? Show, though. He can do what he wants. Where, like, the guy would be walking and the angle would kind of be going up toward his face so he's looking down on you? Yeah. Like, that's kind of what the some of Todd's <laughs> episodes remind me of, where he's, like, kind of walking <laughs> yeah. through the studio and yeah. he's kind of, like, angrily talking at the yeah. thing. He's like, oh, yeah. okay, we're coming into your house and you're not happy about it. Like, <laughs> okay, yeah. here we are. <laughs> so, all that to say. Yeah. It, yeah. Anyway, so the listener sends in this, this video, and, and Todd kind of riffs on an article or something that someone had written about being at a, a hipster church, and the lights, and the fog machine, and the screens, and you, no yeah. one can sing, and there's a big show. And so, like, it's the top, it's like the typical, like, pitch right down the middle for Todd Friel. Yeah. Like, he's just going to eat it up, tear it apart kind of thing. Yep. Um, but he does, he has some good points. Oh, I, I like was points. We would, we would agree points. with. Yeah, like um, it shouldn't be a show Sunday morning. Right. One thing I, I was surprised though. Todd kept on saying like, "Why don't men like? Why aren't they like in the worship? Why aren't they worshiping? Why aren't they engaging in the worship?" And he was talking about um the singing portion. I wish he would have clarified a little bit the singing I, I do too and worship he just kind of was using singing and worship synonymously yeah um, which we'd say yes wait. singing is a part of worship yes but it is not the full worship that's why i don't like the term worship leader like you're, you're maybe you're one of the worship leaders um but i still am not a huge fan of that term i'd rather you just say song leader or music leader or something Songs like that. leader yeah yeah but so, <laughs> we were we were texting some of the leaders in our in our church and someone threw out the suggestion for Wes uh, instead of song leader to be him Sherpa. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that. Yeah. Look, that's amazing. That is fantastic. Wes is a bit of a large guy to be. I mean, he's super tall. So like, I think if you're going to be a mountain climber, you got to be a little bit small. 
Right. Um, right. I think that the point of the song should be singable, right? So they should be in a key that everyone should sing. You know, like for the most are part. You, are you giving Todd's points right now or are you giving your own? I'm recapping his points. Okay. And yeah. I would say, yep. and I would agree with like, so what I would agree with what Todd said is songs should be singable for the, for the majority of people. Right? Some people just can't sing. Like they just can't, they just can't do it. Right. Um, they can try and we want to encourage that though. It should be singable. The, the song should be like rich lyrically and theologically. So we're not just singing like on repeat the same three things, kind of trying to, to stir up a, uh, an emotion, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Um, and they should be songs that like people can, can you sing consistently enough and long enough? You don't rotate them out too quickly. People know them there. They're well acquainted with the songs, right? Um, and I appreciate that. Yeah. So, so I think I, I didn't think he said anything about the lyrics. Maybe he didn't. I just missed it. But I at the end he kind of recapped, and I, I wrote this down as as his recap. He said that men aren't singing because they feel like they're watching a performance, because it's in an octave that they can't sing. And number three, because it's an unrecognizable tune. So they feel like they're watching a performance. And when you watch performances, you typically watch. You're not yeah. participating. Um, everybody's up front. They're, the people up front are the ones who are really loud. And you're kind of there watching. Um, it's an octave they can't sing. So a lot of these really talented musicians are able to hit notes that the typical person can't hit. That's what makes them right. a very talented musician, at least part of it. And if you're singing in that same octave, then it's going to be difficult for the typical person to sing, especially men who don't feel like making a fool of themselves in front of everyone. And then three, it's in an unrecognizable tune. So even if you wanted to sing along, you just it's difficult to sing along. And I agree with those things. I think he's spot on. Um, yeah, right. I, I, I would add that um, like unrecognizable, like recognizable is not the word that I would use um, because I think you can easily sing along to a tune you've never heard before. Right. And so I think it needs right. to be um, whether it's recognizable or unrecognizable. Yeah. It'd be helpful if it was recognizable, but even if it's unrecognizable, the thing that we keep saying um, is that it needs as citizens is that two things. One, it needs to be theologically rich not just not just orthodox like it's it can't just be faithful because <laughs> some of these hill song bethel elevation songs there's no like n oh my gosh do you guys heresy. sing a bethel song i don't know if we do or not I'd a hill to, song yeah i don't An know elevation I, I think song? we sing like cornerstone <sighs> Christ, oh my goodness cornerstone. yeah anyways um so there might be one or that's two why you're that's why you're you guys are on like the brink of dying that's right that's right exactly <laughs> and so the uh the not all those songs have blatant heresy in them. They might say, okay, like this is, there's nothing heretical in here. Yeah, or any. Yeah. Um, but they're not rich lyrics. You yeah. look at, if you just printed off the lyrics and took out the repeating sections, like the chorus 19 times, mm -hmm. then the yeah. lyrics would be pretty thin. And so we say you have to have theologically rich lyrics and it has to be easy for the whole congregation to sing the first time. So not just the older folks in the congregation, not just yeah. the younger folks in the congregation, and not just after they hear the song six or seven times. Like it's got to be easy for the whole congregation yeah. to sing the first time. Yeah. And so those, those and are our two things. Like, I think that's basically what Todd is getting at when he yeah. says it's in an unrecognizable tune. But I just want to split hairs yeah. and say 
Mm. I, I don't really think it matters if it's recognizable there. or not. I think it's helpful if it's yeah. recognizable, but I don't think that's the distinctive. I think it's more so, is the song easy to sing? Yeah, and that's relative. I mean, even that there's some, some variation. Like, we sing some songs, and like, you know, is that, how easy do we want everyone to sing? And because it also is a formation thing. Like, you know, you're teaching people how to sing. Right, of course. Um, and, and then one of the things that, as you have, more people in the congregation singing, it's promoting just that, more people singing, right? So if everyone else around me is singing, I'm more inclined to sing, um, regardless of my, my ability. Right. So, yeah, I think that that's a huge part but of, of the, the, the Sunday gathering, what we sing and how we sing it. Um, but I think Todd's issue, and I would say probably even my issue with some of these churches is the What's at the center of it all is it's event driven. Yeah. It's it's appearance driven. We want it to come off like with we talked about this before, like with great excellence and things done. Like people need to uh, see things done well. <laughs> I was uh, you sent me this is funny. You sent me a text, a picture uh, last week about a, a church who they're promoting their their kids ministry. Oh my god! They, yes. <laughs> they said. I think it, I'm paraphrasing, but it essentially said like if your kid doesn't have a blast, like an awesome time on Sunday morning with us, like we'll pay for you guys to go to the trampoline park. To so like if your kid's like, yeah, I didn't have that much fun, Dad. It was okay. Like the church is saying, oh, we are we apologize that we didn't just like knock the kid's socks off with fun things. You can now go on us to a trampoline park. Yeah. Here, we'll here's what it was. That. Our fun family guarantee. I'm not going to say say the name of the, the church. Guarantee. Yeah, our, it's our fun family guarantee. We are committed to making sure your child has a great yeah. experience. If your kids don't have a blast in the church's name here, kids, so in their kids ministry, let us know and we'll send your family to Rock and Jump Trampoline Park on us. Just mention this guarantee to the new family check-in team on your way out. Yes, we really mean it. And I'm just like, this is disgusting. <laughs> like, if you're not satisfied with our product, with the product we offer your kids, if you're not satisfied, yeah, let our customer service team know, and we will make it right, guaranteed. Right. Like, it's a, it's a product. It's come enjoy the product, and if you don't enjoy the exactly. product, like doggone it, we're gonna make it right. And the the smart family just, here just, is gonna be like, you yeah. know what, kids? Every Sunday we're going to Rock and Jump Trampoline Park. <laughs> Right. Find something that you didn't like about it. Like one, what's their line on it? Like how much are they projecting to spend this? Or do they own the place? Maybe they own it. But can you imagine being in the meeting? Just imagine like we're way off topic. But imagine being in the meeting for a minute where when when someone's like, Guys, I I have an idea. (laughs) Now now stick with me on this, okay? (laughs) Stick with me. Follow me. What if we have a satisfaction guarantee policy right and if they don't like what they get we'll pay for them to go to a theme park yeah my goodness yeah and everyone's around the table's like oh that's a good idea first off yeah i love it <laughs> first off brilliant <laughs> yeah <laughs> but like at least i'm being honest at least it's like right it's open like we are selling you a product we hope you love it yeah if you don't we'll try to make it right that's it and and, and that's what a lot of the more productionistic performance-based churches are. And, and and even when I say performance, I want to caveat it in that 
performance just in general is not a bad thing. Like I, if I'm about to have surgery, I want my surgeon to perform well. <laughs> like I think that's, I'd be very grateful Bring for him to perform well. You know, like when a guy's delivering a sermon, I hope, I hope he does perform well, but I hope performance is not the driving motivating factor. I hope faithfulness right. is because faithfulness yeah. in my mind is good performance. And we have to change how we define performance. And so that tattooed on your arm. Yeah, right. There you go. Um, I've got some space. And so <laughs> I'm not just poo-pooing on performance in general. Like we just have to we have to define performance as faithfulness, not as are the people entertained. And so these more like um, entertainment style churches, they yeah. do put the the band up front and and I'm not even necessarily against that. But what ends up happening is the focus goes from the congregation singing to let come in here and listen to our yeah. really talented musicians play and our really talented yeah. vocalists sing. And we're going to crank them up. You're not really going to be able to hear yourself or your neighbor singing. You're going to hear them up front, but you are welcome to join along. There'll be words on the screen. And that, in my mind, is part of the reason that, that Todd is getting at, because men don't tend to want to just sing along for the sake of joining a performance. If they don't feel like they're contributing to this thing, then yeah. men who are called to lead and to provide and protect that leading aspect of helping lead the congregation in singing, they feel like they're doing nothing. And yeah. so, well, and why, I would add, I like, I, I think that's for the ladies too. I mean, technically they have a higher range vocally so they can sing some of the songs but just right. in general like everything you're saying like they they're not like just all gun gun ho on bow worship and you know, you know it's not just like all the guys are stoic and like no all the, the women are just like oh we love it it's great of course you know? yes yeah good clarification so but i'm just saying um, men feel that that call to to yeah. lead yeah and so if if i'm if there's no reason for me to to step into leadership here and help the congregation sing, like, I'm, I'm not going to do it. I can't sing that octave, um, and I'm not adding anything to this, so le I'll let my family enjoy this, but I'm not going to be doing any singing, you know? So yeah. I think that's that's part of it, yeah. But there are plenty of women who would also say, I, I don't feel comfortable singing in this environment. Well, it's just pointless. It's, yeah. it's just like, you know. I mean, there's a common misconception that, in order to get people to sing, you have to turn the volume up on the people up front. You have to add a bunch of instruments and that will encourage people when the reality is the less accompaniment, the better. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily the well, better, I should say, but like <laughs> the more you're going to get people to sing. Yeah. Because if, let's just yeah. go get rid of all accompaniment. It's just acapella. It's just the voices. Yeah. Yeah. Then everyone recognizes when the singing happens, like, okay, my voice is required. And yeah. people start to sing a little bit louder and just be in a room where acapella singing happens and you can realize, oh, wow, like everyone's singing a little bit louder than they were when we could only hear the people up front. I agree. Well said, Rob. Well said. I don't know if it was well said, to be honest, but hopefully people get the idea. Said, Rob. Said. Said. <laughs> okay. Um, anything else on that? We've got yeah, two others it. that we would like to get to. Yeah. Okay. So the next one here is from Melissa. Here's what she says. She says, hi there. Hey, Melissa. I love your podcast. I've been listening along for years. Thank you, Melissa, for listening along for years. Um, she, she says, a bit of a backstory on my journey in question. I have been attending a, a Christian Reformed Church for 10 years now. 
which is a denomination. Um, and recently they're starting to have more and more conversations around human sexuality. I've heard my pastor say that he has some more information on how the Bible, quote, affirms homosexuality. If I'm being honest, this statement is very scary for me. I've read the Bible and know that the scripture is clear, notwithstanding that we must show love to everyone no matter their sins. Are you able to provide clarity on your stance for this topic? I feel that if our pastor is going to start preaching unbiblical truth, we must leave this church and find another. As you can imagine, this is very stressful as we build a community within this church, but want to be taught full, true, biblical principles for our salvation. Any guidance would be greatly appreciated. Thanks again, and keep up the great work. Well, thank you for, for letting in Melissa, and just, that's such a hard situation. Yeah, I mean, That's a heartbreaking situation when you have been a part of a church, you have a community there, uh, you love the people there. Um, obviously, she's making it clear like her loyalty is to God and his words, and uh, that is just such a, a sad situation. And it's sad because it's so unnecessary. Right. Like, Melissa says this, we agree, like, the Bible is so clear on God's role for men and for women. And, um, and for just that, for men and for women. Um, and I think that more and more people are going to be navigating this. I mean, they already have in the last 20 years, but all the more as um, churches, by and large, are just accepting, like, whatever the liberal agenda is, the progressive sexual agenda is, like, churches are just, sure, yeah, I guess that's where we're going to be. And so people who kind of went along with, let me say a bad or a poor hermeneutic, a poor way of understanding scripture and applying scripture, like reading scripture. That you know, they kind of like, hey, we love the people, so we're gonna, we're gonna stay here. We love this, and we're gonna kind of accept the poor teaching, so to speak. Right. And then a line gets crossed. It's like, I just can't get behind that. And so a lot of people are facing this situation where they're having to leave churches, people they love, right over. Preachers who, pastors, elders who are, who are uh, leaving the, the Orthodox faith. Right. Yeah, that, I mean, it is difficult. Um, the, the thing that is a bummer is that she's been attending for 10 years there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is, that's a long time to be at a church. I mean, hopefully you can be at, at a church. I mean, my hope is to be here at Citizens for until I die, you know, and so I would love to be here if the Lord allows, 40, 50, 60 years. Um, but in this day and age, people are so consumeristic that they don't tend to stick around places for very long. And some of those are for really good reasons. <laughs> like right. this right here yeah. is a good yeah. reason to to consider whether or not she should stay. Now, all cards on the table, I don't know a ton about the Christian Reformed Church, um, but th- that's not really the the driving factor with... Um, what I'm getting ready to say. So regardless of the denomination that you find yourself in, or if you're non-denom, I'd say if you're in a church that begins to affirm what the scriptures clearly lay out as sin, then there needs to be some serious consideration. Um, and I say that, I mean, that's a gentle way of saying it. <laughs> the, the, if it was, if I wasn't on the mic and just talking with you, Rick, I'd just say, Hey, yeah. they need to leave. They just need to go. Um, yeah. But but with that said, there's some steps that should be taken. And so, Rick, you and I were talking about that. What steps do you yeah. think Melissa should take to 
if she is going to leave or begin going down that road, um, go about it in a God honoring way. Yeah. I mean, it's really a, an important thing. I think anyone who's considering leaving a church needs to work through Like there's some variance there, but typically, I mean, you need, you need to talk to the pastor and you need to talk to hopefully the elders. Um, hopefully there's elders there and, um, and just, clarify like is this the direction you're heading yeah um i'm hearing it i'm thinking that um wh- why like what's your rationale you know you might not want to get into like the whole debate or trying to convince them maybe maybe if they're already convinced like you're not going to change their mind on that but it's definitely you need to have the conversation with them and you need to tell them like hey i i think scripture is clear on this um, and because of that, like I don't think we're going to be able to stay here, right? Um, so the conversation with with the church leadership, conversation uh, with with your community, with your friends. I mean, you you don't want to leave and just kind of disparage the church and trash everyone, right? Um, but you also don't just want to ghost and just like, well, we just like this church over here, and and not be honest about right. why you are leaving. I mean, if you've been there you ten years, be honest about I, that. I would be offended. Yeah. If I had a 10-year relationship with somebody or a five-year relationship and they just peaced out and left, and I didn't oh, know yeah. why. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, um, yeah, I think that conversation with leadership, conversation with your community, and then just a lot of even just making sure that when you do leave, because if, if, if it's going, the, Melissa, if it's going the way you think it is, uh, you're probably right, and um you're going to be leaving and so really doing some work in your own heart of of processing making sure you're leaving for the right reasons making and then making sure you're you're guarding your heart so this is extremely difficult when you leave a church because you're hurt rightfully so you're offended which is understandable you're and it's sad and yeah. so all those things are breeding ground for the enemy to sow division and to keep um yeah, just kind of tear things down in your heart. And so really guarding your heart that even though you disagree and you lovingly respect these people, like they're wrong. I mean, there's just, they're just blatantly completely wrong on this. Um, but not letting bitterness, a root of bitterness uh, come in. And then when you do leave, like be really intentional about finding a good church, yeah. a church that does believe uh, the Bible. It's yeah. teaching it faithfully. Yeah, that's good. I, one of the things that I wanted to point out is that um, there, there are. We've talked about theological triage a bunch on on this yeah. on this podcast. So, first tier, whether or not you're a Christian. Second tier will determine um, if you disagree in a sec with the second tier issue. Then you should just probably find a different place to worship. And third tier is you can worship the same church and you just might disagree with things. So mm-hmm. things like end times. Um, and there's other things that you could lump into that. And so this, I would, I would put in the, in the case of second tier, potentially first tier. Um, and, and here's why, because if, if someone is, um, saying that saying what God says is sin, if they are saying that it is not sin, and we're in fact going to affirm it, then in my mind that, that compromises the gospel. Uh, first Corinthians one or 1 Corinthians 6, starting in, in verse 9, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, 
nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. And so Paul gives a list there of people, hey, if your life is marked by this thing, if you are an unrepentant sin in these categories, and he's really just giving a list of, of sin. It could be, you could list other yeah. things. But if your life is marked by this, that's indicating that you have not repented and you will not inherit mm-hmm. the kingdom of God. Repentance is necessary. Yeah. But here's the good news. He says in verse 11, and such were some of you, but right. you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. And so these things are not things that we don't wrestle with, but they're things that we fight against because we've been washed, we've been sanctified, we've been justified. And if there is someone who says, you do not need to be washed of this thing. Mm-hmm. You do not need to be sanctified of this thing. You can continue to pursue this. Your life can be marked by homosexuality and you will still inherit the kingdom of God. That, in my mind, is something that compromises the gospel. And so I, I would say, say you definitely should at the very least not be worshiping there. The second, or Secondly, it may be so strong that this church, if it continues down that way, has um, forfeited to their right to call themselves heralds of the gospel because they are, they are now compromising the gospel. Yeah, yeah. And, and to be able to, um, like these things are all going to increase, and they're not new, right? False teaching or people who are, who are twisting scripture, and I think being able to discern that and, and be gracious because you're never going to find a church that teaches exactly everything you want right. to be taught. But you do need to find a church that they are they hold to the, the Bible. The Bible is God's word. Uh, all rule and authority comes from him. Uh, we're going to teach all of the Bible and we're going to hold to the Bible and, and figure out, like, you know, beyond those things, what, what um, are your convictions about, like you were saying, different kind of tiered issues. But, yeah, I think that it's one thing we've talked about this before, like our view is um, – like we believe in specific gender roles. We're complementarian. Mm-hmm. You want to use that word in that sense. Like God has ordained wonderful, equal, but different roles for men and women. Um, there are churches who disagree with that, yeah. who I think are within orthodoxy, but they're, we would say they're, again, their hermeneutic or their way of understanding the scripture isn't healthy. But nonetheless, they're, they're orthodox. They're, they're, we would divide over those issues we'd separate and assemble into separate churches you would even have um, to, sorry you you just to clarify i don't want to get you in trouble you would still have to define what you even mean by orthodox and so do you mean like yeah these are christians or do you mean these are christians who have believed what the church has believed for the previous yeah. two thousand years two thousand years yeah we'd say well, they're not that yeah. so if you're using orthodox as this has been the faith that everyone how everyone's understood it for the last two thousand years like they're not orthodox in that sense of the word Orthodox in the sense of the word that they're still Christians. Yeah, yeah, they would hold everything. We'd say these are the like you disagree with these hands full of things. You're not a Christian. They would be within that, I think. Um, so I, I think that it's a challenging thing because you're trying to figure out where do we go to church? What do we? What convictions are we trying to hold to? At the same time, you're grieving the loss and you're trying to have conversations. And there is hope. Maybe maybe you have this conversation with the leaders, and they yeah. and and the Holy Spirit convicts them, or you know all, you just don't know. But having a heart of humility, having a, a heart of gratitude for what the Lord has done in your life for the last ten years through these people, and and, and being patient. Um, but 
once last thing I'll say is people often make the mistake is of they they see the signs, they know the indicators, and it's it's going that direction. It's time to leave. And they just hold on for so long because they don't want to accept it or they don't they just think they can kind of right the ship, if you will, instead of making the call and, and moving on. Right. It's a hard thing to do, but be faithful to the Lord. Right. And and if they after having these conversations, if they do double down and say, Yes, this is the direction we're going, we are convinced that someone could be a an unrepentant um, practicing homosexual and still be a Christian, um, then I would elevate that into a first tier issue. And then if the question you have to ask yourself yes. is, do I want to continue to perpetuate a ministry that affirms that, that compromises right. the gospel? And by attending, even if you say, I'm not going to give financially to this organization, one, you don't want to take that position because wherever you are, the call is to is to give. And so you should be faithful wherever you are in yeah. terms of giving. And if you can't give to that organization, then you should probably leave. Um and and two, even if even if you weren't giving, then just by being there, you're affirming what's happening there by con- being a member there. Mm. And so yeah. Yeah. If if they do double down and, and hopefully they don't, hopefully uh, the Lord will use you and others to convict them that, hey, this this is not something that we should be saying. It's not faithful to the scriptures. And so regardless of what other people think, regardless of what culture thinks, we have to be faithful to the scriptures. And hopefully mm-hmm. through you, Melissa, and any others who may be having conversations with them, that they decide, okay, um, that position is not faithful to the scriptures. We need to be faithful. So we are not going to affirm homosexual behavior. Um, yeah. and, and if they do that, then, then praise God. If they don't, then my encouragement would be to to prayerfully find another yeah. place to to worship. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It's okay. tough. Any any other comments on that, Rick? No, I don't have anything else. All right. Here we go. Third. Lexi writes in. I'm curious if this is the Lexi that I know. I'm not sure. Anyways, mm. Lexi. Can, did you ask her? No, I haven't. I need to. Okay. Lexi says, Hi Rick and Rob. I was wondering if you'd be able to do an episode on God as the Lion of Judah. I know Christ is described as the Lamb, the perfect sacrifice, but what does it mean when he is described as the Lion of Judah? Where is this mentioned in Scripture, and why is God described this way? Thanks so much, and keep up the great work. Hey, thanks, Lexi. Appreciate the encouragement, and really great question. Um, We've heard the Lion of Judah reference. If you're in Christian circles, you hear it um, a decent amount, and sometimes we can just take things for granted and actually not not put scripture behind it. And so we, we need to put scripture behind it, say where does this come from? And you're right to say that uh, Christ is described as the perfect sacrifice. He is described as the lamb. Um, but where do we get the, the terminology line of Judah? So Rick, yeah. you want to jump in on that? Rob. Yeah, so we, we, um, we Genesis 49 and then in Revelation 5. So let me... Um, read for you genesis 49 which does talk about this what's that i'll look up revelation 5 yeah so um in verse 9 says judah is a lion's cub from the prey my son you will have gone up he stooped down and crouched as a lion as a as a lioness who dares rouse him the scepter shall not depart from judah this is verse 10 now so this is where it begins to talk about the line of Judah. 
The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, and to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. And there's this prophetic word all the way back in Genesis about this lion of Judah and this scepter, this kind of ruling authority that this lion has. And then we we hear like references or kind of uh, kind of murmurings almost uh, through Hosea and different kind of even some proverbs about this lion or Psalms. And then in Revelation, Revelation five, you get the the picture of its fulfillment. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Revelation five, verse five. This is with the the scroll and the lamb. So we see in verse five, and one of the elders said to me, "This is John talking here. Weep no more." Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. So we had this promise in Genesis 49, verse 9, where there's a lion. And then Genesis 49, verse 10, and that lion, the scepter will not depart from him. He's going to continue to rule. He's going to continue to exercise authority. And then we see in Revelation 5, so Genesis being the first book that we have in our in our uh, completed Bibles. And in Revelation, the last book, we see it tied together in chapter 5. So now we, um, from the tribe of Judah, which was promised to be this line who would, the scepter would not depart from him, we now see in Revelation 5, this lion of the tribe of Judah, who is the root of David, has conquered. And so there's this mm-hmm. promise that this one coming from the tribe of Judah is in fact um, going to conquer, and then we see it completed in Revelation five. We were we just wrapped up a, a series here at Citizens where we were going through Ruth and Revelation. You no, guys the no, not ready for that. Um, we're going through Ruth, and Ruth and Boaz end up having Obed. Obed has Jesse, and Jesse has David. But Ruth and Boaz um, before them was Perez. And so they're in the clan of Perez, who is of the tribe of Judah. And so we see this, yeah. these promises to, to Judah, and then from Judah comes a bunch of clans, and Perez is one of them, and then within that clan of Perez, we see Ruth and Boaz, and so there's this beautiful act of redemption taking place with Ruth and Boaz, and in that act of redemption perpetuates the line that is promised to provide a Messiah in the tribe of Judah through the root of David. And Boaz and Ruth have Obed, who has Jesse, who has David. And so within the tribe of Judah, the root of David is going to be this lion who's going to rule um, in the scepter, the, the thing that would signify ruling and authority and power will not depart, um, mm. which is interesting because Judah is, is not the largest tribe. It's not um, right. the most powerful tribe. And so uh, for the promise to be made through the tribe of Judah is is not to be expected, but that just seems to be the consistent theme throughout Scripture is that the Lord uses those whom you would not expect to bring about um, his plans. And so in the person of Christ who is within the line of David, who's within the tribe of Judah, we see him being the lamb, the perfect sacrifice, Lexi, as you said, but then also yeah. he is the one whom all power and authority has been given to him. And so the scepter has not is not going to depart from him. And so we see him also fulfilling the role of the lion that is from the tribe of Judah. Yeah. 
No, it's good. And Rob, you had a you had a really interesting point earlier, and I was wondering where you got that the scriptural reference for this. But um, you were saying the Lion and Judah and Aslan are related. Yeah, They're that's like right. Yeah, cousins. yeah, it's um, the same dynasty or something. Yep, yep. Right? In yep. <laughs> Narnia. Second, second hesitations is where that that is. It's going to yeah. be in in chapter four, but you'll see that. Okay. Yeah, um, the Lion of Judah and Aslan are <laughs> brothers, and that's a word yeah. for word quote from that verse. <laughs> Take it. To the bank. <laughs> uh-huh, yeah. Uh, if you don't find it in your Bible, um, then uh, it's there. Just keep looking. Yeah, it's in Rob's translation. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we always yeah, joke, exactly. this is so random, we always joke about like things that aren't going to like go away and our kids won't know about. Like the phrase, take it to the bank. Like oh, no yeah. one goes to a bank anymore. Right. Like you go to an ATM. I mean, you go to a bank when you need like a loan, but right. to do regular banking transactions, you just do it on your phone. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. So, yep. anyway, take Very that true. to the bank app. That's right. Take that to your app, <laughs> to the phone. <laughs> great. Okay, well, cool. Um, Rick, anything else? Guys, great great questions. Um, great questions. Yeah. Phenomenal question askers. Mark really appreciated the video. Even though we're not like the biggest fans of Todd Friel, hopefully you didn't take that the wrong way. Uh, <laughs> we, just, we end up agreeing with him on a lot of stuff. Todd yeah. <laughs> uh, and it, it's not even him as a, as a person. It's just the style of his show. Um, but really like maybe that is, maybe that is indicative of him as a person. <laughs> Hopefully like, that personality is just a bit. It's not you. It's just everything you say and do. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but we like your conclusions actually. So Yeah, we do. But yeah, I thought, thought his stuff on, on music was good. Melissa, you've got some tough decisions to make, uh, but think that you're heading down the right direction in terms of recognizing that it's not a place where you should stay in good conscience. Um, and hopefully the leader's there change direction and then lexi great question about the line of judah it's something that we hear a lot but it's not always Rob's, elaborated Rob's on. like the quintessential like small group <laughs> affirm everyone that's, right. like, that's we, it man you you value like we that's love good you. that's good that's really good yeah <laughs> <laughs> anything else and any any other thoughts or comments Ooh, before we move on solid Ooh. solid yeah yeah i like and, that um, i like that guy who just showed up like 10 minutes ago we don't know your name but man Glad you're here. Yeah. It's good to see you. It was good nice to, see to you. have someone in that seat. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we are here at Civil Theology. Uh, we're, we're just a, a small group in the making, and we're just fielding questions and talking about them. And now, as soon as we're everything. done here, we're going to break up for prayer and enjoy some snacks. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> call, All right. Call people oh, watching man. the kids. Let them know that we're wrapping up. Yeah. Oh boy! Go go get your kids. That's it. Oh man. Anyway, yeah, I don't have anything else, Rob. Um, although I think next episode is this dropping today? Uh, that's the plan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Next one, we're gonna dive into your birth, your 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 birthday birth? celebration <laughs> and life and legacy. There'll be a three part special on. Oh the, boy! Yeah. The man, the myth, the legend. Each one's gonna be two minutes one, long. Yeah. The long one's going to be on the myth. That's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. That would be right. great. Yeah, and Lord willing, um, our son will be here by then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyone who's listening to this, please pray for health with that. It's been a complex pregnancy. So I would appreciate that. Yeah. But all right, y'all, if you want to know anything more about Simple Theology or want to send in some requests yourself, head over to simpletheology.org. There's opportunity there to send in uh, topic requests. 
You can listen to previous episodes. You can find social media stuff, all that. Uh, but yeah, head over to simpletheology.org and I don't think there's anything else. That's it. These closings are getting choppier and choppier. Yeah. Yeah. But all right. No one's probably listening at this point. They yeah, just, seriously. Like, shut off right now. Thanks, y'all. Appreciate it. Peace. Peace. Peace.